Well, we have been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount over these last weeks, and uh, we're, we're through chapter 5 and into chapter 6 now, so if you have your Bibles, you can uh, open with me to uh, Matthew chapter 6. And we started into it last week, and Jesus had some words for us about um, practicing our piety and in, in sort of the, what we call the spiritual discipline of secrecy. He was questioning the motives of our hearts for the things that we do, prayer and, um, and fasting and, and giving and, and so forth. And when we were talking about prayer, we, we skipped over a section, and it's, it's the section where um, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Now, if you're going through the Gospel of Luke, um, the very first thing in the Gospel of Luke that the disciples ever ask of Jesus is, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Would you do that? I mean, there's something that they have noticed in, in this Jesus person that they are following, that he has this very close communi communion and relationship with God the Father, and they're curious about that. And they see Jesus going away on his own, on a regular basis, to commune with the Father and to, to talk to him in moments of prayer. And they're curious about that, and so they say, Lord, teach us. So our, our scripture this morning, I want to pick up um, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 7, Jesus' teaching, he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's the word of the Lord. Directly from the mouth of Jesus, thanks be to God. So this, this section, the prayer there, we call it the Lord's Prayer. If you notice um, at the outset, there's, there's the opening address, Our Father. And then there's two, if, you wanna, if you're outlining this prayer, there's, there's two sections of three petitions each. And the first three petitions are um, all focused on God, praising Him a relationship with, with who God is, understanding who God is, hallowing his name, asking for his kingdom and his will to be done on earth as it is in his very presence right now. And then the second three petitions, or the second part of the prayer, have to do with human need sort of stuff, daily bread, forgiveness, you know, leading us, not, don't help us not to you know, go astray, God, but help keep us on the straight and narrow and over the years, the church has adopted this prayer as, and, and out in the world, I would say this is you know, one of the top three prayers that, that people know. It's just a, it's sort of 
I don't want to say common knowledge, but it's a prayer that if you speak it out loud, people say, oh yeah, I've, I've heard that one before. And so what, what I want to do is I want to, I want to pray that prayer together. So we have a slide that has it up so we can help us with the, with the words. But this is the church's uh, adaptation of the words of Jesus here. It's almost spot on. Um, and so let's, let's, let's pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That last part in brackets, it's not part of the scripture, but it's, a, it's an added phrase that the church has put on it uh, over the years to make it a nice, well-rounded, that's a good way to close out the prayer. So, Chris, you can go ahead and um, take that off there. Um, You'll notice that there's this imposing uh, word love behind me. We had a beautiful wedding in here yesterday, and we have an event coming up this next Sunday that, or next Saturday that uh, wanted to use these letters. And while I stared at the word long enough yesterday, I thought, that's an appropriate word to leave up that we can look at together all morning. And so I'm, you know, I'm sitting on the little box drum here and, and I'm just basking in the glow of love. And those lights, they do put off a little bit of heat. Um, but it just, it has been, the word has been speaking to me ever since we put it up um, yesterday. And um, it reminded me of a quote. I, I, I jotted it down. It's by uh, Reinhold Niebuhr. And he says that uh, forgiveness is the final form of love. Forgiveness is the final form of love. And so when I, when I saw this word up here uh, yesterday and, and that quote just kind of came to mind and kind of connected with that phrase in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts. Um, it, it started messing with my mind a little bit. And, and I, had, I had one sermon that I was, I was ready to go on. Um, we're going to spend three weeks talking about the Lord's Prayer. And, yeah, I'm sort of a logical progression kind of a person, and so if you're a logical progression kind of a person and you have a text, you start at the beginning and you work your way to the end, right? <laughs> and so today I was planning on talking about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I was hoping that we would get through that part of it next week. Uh, I wanted to talk about give us this day our daily bread as we gather for our annual meeting around tables to eat with one another. And then close out the series by talking about um, forgiveness and, uh, and 
following the, the direction and, and will of God that we sense uh, in our lives. And, and having this word up here messed with me enough that um, I'm going to put this sermon away. And I, I, I woke up this morning and I just sketched out how we might talk about forgiveness. And so I think we're going to take the Lord's Prayer backwards. And so I'm going to beg your forgiveness that this may not be... Um, the most polished or super prepared sermon that I ever have, but I think it's the right one. Because um, I just want to talk about that, that petition today. Um, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And um, th- there's two things that if, you, if you're splitting your core guide note section... Um, there's two things that you can write down. Um, breathe in the forgiveness of God and breathe out that forgiveness to others. So that's basically the sermon. Breathe in the forgiveness of God and as that forgiveness of God settles in to our hearts and our minds and it does a transforming work inside us. It fills us. There's a, there is a healing nature to forgiveness. Unforgiveness locks us up. It's hard to proceed forward if we are uh, held prisoner to things that anger us, ways that people have hurt us. And so if we are locked in prison because of those things, the only way to get out of prison then is what? Forgive. So as we breathe in, forgiveness of God and we recognize what that means in our own life, then and only then are we able to breathe that forgiveness out to other people. And in the process, that is something that is very healing and freeing for our own souls. What we're entering into today is the first Sunday of the season on the church calendar called Lent. And it's a series of weeks leading us up to our celebration on Easter Sunday of the resurrection of Jesus. And the season of Lent is one of penance. It's one of confession. It's one of repentance. It's doing hard soul searching. And and whenever the Holy Spirit points stuff out in our life, we are to, uh, in turn, give that over to God. Let, let him point out the work that we need to do and then lay it before him and say, Lord, I, that's, that's a tall order. <laughs> I can't do that on my own. Will you help me? And he will. And so as we journey through Lent, confession, repentance, purification, it's, it's fitting that we enter into this season by starting the conversation with forgiveness. Forgiveness first. 
forgive freely because God forgives us first and God forgives us so freely when we ask him. The Apostle John, he teaches us um, in 1 John, I think it's 1-9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, the truth is we are in desperate need of forgiveness, each in our own way. The human condition is one of being wrought with sin. We break fellowship with God. We, whatever, whatever way you want to view sin, we, we miss the target. We fall short of God's standard. We have moral failure. We have iniquity, which the, the word iniquity in the Bible is, that's one of those, I don't know, how do we define iniquity other than sin? Well, iniquity is taking a crooked path. Our path out in front of us, the way we go, is just all crooked and turned. And that, that's maybe a good description of, of how we feel inside sometimes. And the ways that sin gets us sidetracked, we, it's not a straight road. It's crooked. It turns all over the place. That's iniquity. We break, we break trust with each other. And we wound each other. And we hurt each other. And it's called sin. Because each and every one of us is a being that is created in God's image. And we deserve to treat each other in ways that honor and respect our Heavenly Father. And when we don't, that's sin. And we need to take that before God, and we need to repent of it, and we need to turn, and we need to do better next time. So we are in desperate need of God's forgiveness just washing over our own souls. He's already done that. He's already forgiven you. What he asks is that you turn and step into the forgiveness that's already there. God doesn't give us grace because we repent. He, he gives us great grace in anticipation of our repentance. That's God's prevenient grace going out in front of us, calling us into this right relationship with him. And when we have a broken relationship with God, it's really hard to have good relationships with those around us. Sin breaks fellowship, breaks relationship between you and God and between you and other people. Because most of the time, the sin that infects our lives Yes, it's a sin against God, but most times it's a sin that we have against other people. So we, we stand here this morning, we sit here, and I pray that we would recognize that at some level we're all broken. And we're in desperate need of, of God's forgiveness for us. And Paul says, you know, if you, if you leave sin unchecked, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when we pray, forgive us our debts, there's that, it's like a financial sounding sentence, isn't it? Forgive us our debts. Paul talks about the wages, another financial term, the wages of our sin is death. And so you put those side by side and forgive us what we owe God. Forgive us that debt of sin. It's worked its way through our life. 
And when we repent and we confess our sin to God, he forgives us and he exchanges the death that we're on the road towards for brand new life. And it's not life in eternity, it's life now for eternity. Does that make sense? You're not, you're not saved so that you can go to heaven when you die. You're saved so you can start to experience that eternal life right now. You don't have to wait to get all cleaned up until, until you take a dirt nap. You can start actually right now. And you can let God into your life and do that work. And you can be transformed and start living the new life today for eternity. The Bible, um, the Bible gives us lots of illustrations on this word love, um, and and God loves us so much that He is willing. He was willing to send Jesus, who loved us so much that He was willing to lay down His life for us. And one of the stories, the epic stories, the formational stories in the New Testament, it's a parable that, that Jesus tells in, in your Bibles. It's found in, in Luke chapter 15, starting in, in verse 11, and, and I think going on to the end. We, we call it the parable uh, or the, the story of the prodigal son. You, you've heard that one. I've preached on it before. It's, it's one that, that we kind of know. I, I'm not happy with the, the, the way we've labeled it the parable of the prodigal son. I think it's more the parable of the running father. It's a story of a son. There's a guy who has two sons. Younger son, um, well, he's just tired of living at home. He wants what's due him. And so he goes to his father and he says, I want to cash out. I want my inheritance now. And in the culture of the day, it's, this is an honor and shame culture, um, they, they didn't have uh, investments in stock markets and all sorts of things um, to secure their wealth. They had property, and they had livestock. Their accumulated wealth was in, was in their stuff. And inheritance, in a lot of cases, was when... When dad was gone, then they would get split between the, the siblings. Well, dad was not dead. And the younger son says, hey, I want what's coming to me now. I'm done. I'm through. Dad says, okay. And so to cash out his son, he would have had to sell something. He would have to give up land or give up livestock. And in that culture, that is a huge shame. That's a disgrace. It's like the younger son put a curse on his family. And, and really, not, not just his dad, but the whole, the whole family. He brought shame to his family. But dad says, okay, I guess you have that right. I'm going to... I'm going to let that happen. I'm going to cash you out. And the son went off, squandered it all. Wild living parties. When uh, other people had spent all of it for him, and he, was, he found himself eating pig food, he came to his senses like, how, how much lower can I get? And he determined, I'm at rock bottom. 
rock bottom. And I think God spoke to him and said, you're caught in sin. Your sin can't take you any lower than except to the grave. And he had this moment of repentance. And he had gone a long way away, and he had to physically turn, which is the word repent. He had to turn. And he resolved in his heart that he was going to go back and beg his father for forgiveness and beg his father that you don't have to restore me as a son, but can I at least be one of your servants because I know that you treat your servants better than how I'm living right now. So he turned and he starts making this journey home. And there's this old man, I can imagine him sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair, just back and forth, and his eyes are on the horizon of the road which his son left, and he's just rocking back and forth. And when his son hit the horizon, he up and ran to his son. Threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Now, you need to know something about old men and running. (laughs) They didn't have nice, fancy Nike jogging suits. You didn't go out for, you know, physical exercise and and jog it up on the treadmill. Old men did not run. Old men did not even walk fast. It was undignified. left to all the young whippersnappers. Yeah, you can run and play and do all you want. But as you aged, you just didn't do that. It would bring shame on yourself. You needed to, you know, be stately. And I want the honor that's due me. I've, in my wise years, look what I have. And I think the father knew that as that son came down that road and how he had brought shame on his family and that whole city, if his father did not run to forgive him and welcome him back, he would have been stoned, likely. He might have been attacked. His father was protecting him as much as he was forgiving him. And the picture is... An undignified father running to restore. Not running to be punitive. Not running to scold. Not even waiting for the young boy to make his apology. He just forgave him. And welcomed him back in. When the son could break free from his embrace just long enough, he begged for forgiveness. And the story goes that he's welcomed back in, he's given the ring and the robe, and he's restored to full sonship. It's such a beautiful story of love. I think the quote that we started with Forgiveness is the final form of love holds true in that story. It can hold true in your life. It can hold true in this church. We we pray, forgive us our sin. Forgive us 
our debt. We come to that moment where we know we're not living right. We know we've broken fellowship with God. We know we've broken fellowship with other people. And we turn and we repent and we go back. And we want to run into the loving arms of a forgiving father. Let me assure you today that when you come to God in repentance, he has already forgiven you. Breathe in the forgiveness of God and let it do its work in your soul and let it begin to transform you. I think we like the part of the prayer that says, forgive us. (laughs) Forgive us. It's personal. We know our sin better than anyone else. And we want, we, we want, to, we want to be forgiven. But I'm not sure when we pray the Lord's Prayer that we fully realize what we're praying for. We rattle off that phrase, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well, did you hear what you just prayed? Did you, did you catch that? Forgive us our debts as we Forgive. Do you know what it's asking? You know, you know what that teaches us to ask for? It's asking God to forgive us to the degree that we forgive others. Now, I don't know if you intended to pray that. I did not intend to pray that prayer. That's a scary prayer to pray. We want to forgive us. We know we've done wrong. We want God to say, yes, I forgive you. But then we keep on talking and we say, as we forgive others. Now we got a little bit of a problem to deal with. Because you know what? We're not so good at the forgiving part. We're good at receiving forgiveness, but it's super hard to, to extend that forgiveness. But Jesus, he amps it up. Did you hear how we ended our text? We just read that. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then we have one more verse, and then we get to verse 14. And it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, uh, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's good. We like that. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Breathe in the forgiveness of God. And we're being taught that as that fills us and does its work in us, that we release that, that we breathe that forgiveness out to other people. It's a hard place for us to get to. It goes against sort of our wiring. Our nature doesn't take us that direction. We want, we want justice. We want restitution. We want vengeance sometimes. We, we want an apology and then, and then repentance first. That's what we want to see before we're willing to extend any sort of forgiveness. If those things happen as preconditions, then you know what? Okay, I'll consider it. I might think about forgiving you as long as, as these things happen. We, we want the offended person to know that they were wrong. And we sort of hold a scorecard and we wait. And all the while we wait, it's doing damage to our own soul because we're the one that's hanging on to it. 
And we're waiting for this some moment where people come to their senses and they figure out how much they wronged us. And then, and then in our mind, we're like, okay, when that happens, then, then I'll, I'll be ready to, and willing to, to forgive them. That mean thing that they said or they did to you or how they cheated on you or how they betrayed your trust or how they hurt you. Somehow you resolve in your mind that you won't, you won't even consider forgiving them until they come and they beg for mercy. Or maybe you just decide in your hearts, you know what, I'm never going to, I can't ever forgive them for that. You don't know how much they hurt me. What they did is just too painful. I can't trust them again. Are you, are you hanging on to that kind of stuff right now? Is there any place in your life where that might be your own narrative. I think it's Nelson Mandela who said, this is one of my favorite lines, he said, uh, resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemy. But what happens is it only hurts you. Holding on to resentment and bitterness, it's going to warp your soul is what's going to happen. And it affects your health emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually. It creates a barrier between you and God and it creates a barrier between you and other people. If, if you go back to the story in Luke chapter 15, there were, remember there were two brothers. The younger brother, who's the one who went and squandered the wealth, he's the one who offended his dad, brought disgrace on the whole family. He had the moment of repentance and he came back. All the while, the older brother is watching this. Well, how's dad gonna, how's dad gonna handle this? And he sees the, he sees the dad, in an undignified way, take off running, and welcome this punk back into the family and give him the ring and the robe and restore him to, to uh, full sonship. Well, you know what that means? It means that when dad dies the inheritance is going to get split again. So the older brother is out cash now. This is costing the older brother something too. And he's looking on and he's angry about it. And the picture that Jesus gives us in this story is the older brother is outside like this. Fellowship with the family is broken. And he's angry and bitter and full of resent and he's on the outside. And dad comes out. Dad comes out. Hey son, we got to talk about this. Why don't you come in and join the family? And he can't do it. We never get a picture of that brother being restored to the fellowship of the family. Why? Because he drank the poison and he was hoping it was going to kill his brother. But all it did is remove him from the family. He, he couldn't come back in. He couldn't bring himself to bear and say, you know what? I guess I need to forgive him too. I need to forgive him too. So you can become enslaved, I think, in your unwillingness to forgive. 
I think the disciples were a bit baffled by, by Jesus' teaching on forgiveness here. I mean, this is early in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Jesus is talking to him, talking to them about how you pray, how we should treat this topic of forgiveness. At one level, this so... It's like basic Christianity 101, but forgiveness itself is it's like an upper division class, isn't it? Because it's super hard. And the disciples are listening to Jesus, and they're like, how, how can we, how does that work? You mean we're only forgiven to the degree we're willing to forgive others? And so Peter, I love Peter because he's not afraid to raise his hand and Ask Jesus a question. Maybe sometimes he doesn't even raise his hand. Like, you know what? Hey, I got a question. And so in Matthew chapter 18, I think it's verse 21 and, and following, we get this picture and, and Peter, is, I think he's with the disciples, but he's, Peter speaks the question, uh, Jesus, about that forgiveness thing, how many times are we supposed to forgive our brother and sister who wrongs us. Seven? So, I love this about Peter too. He's, he's asking Jesus this question. And he knows that the rabbis teach that you should forgive someone up to three times for the same offense. If they sin against you in the same way three times, after that you no longer have to forgive them. That's what the rabbis were teaching at the time. So, Peter, he says, okay, I'm going to double that and I'm going to add one. I'm this super spiritual guy. So, man, seven times we're going to nail, we're going to, let's, let's, can I make a motion for that, Jesus? Seven times, we, you know, get a second for that. All the disciples say aye. And Jesus is like, um, no, I'm going to veto that one because it's not seven times, but 70 times seven. So, 490 times, Jesus? Well, Jesus wasn't driving towards a number at all. Jesus was saying forgiveness should be unlimited. Forgiveness should be free. Forgiveness has no end. Because the moment forgiveness has an end, we die. Because in our sin, we are lost. And if we think that there's an expiration or a limit to God's forgiveness on us, then we are in serious trouble. And Jesus says, your heavenly Father pours out forgiveness on you in an unlimited fashion. We ought to do the same for those who wrong us. And then he goes on and he tells the story about, we call it the, the parable of the unmerciful servant. There was a guy who owed the king an unimaginable amount of money. And he begged and pleaded to be freed from that. He begged and pleaded for his life. I can't pay. And the king said, oh, I forgive you of that debt. The king had compassion on him, canceled an unimaginable imaginable debt. And the same servant then goes out and, and there's a neighbor of his who owed him pennies on what he had owed the king. 
and he demanded payment from his neighbor through the guy in jail. Well, the king got wind of it. Went to this guy and said, how dare you treat somebody like that? Did I not extend compassion and mercy and grace and cancel your debt and you couldn't do the same thing for, for your neighbor? Not, you're the one who's going to end up in jail until you can pay every single penny. The point is, it reinforces the prayer that Jesus teaches us. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Because we breathe in the forgiveness of God, Jesus says, you breathe that out. And you forgive other people. If we pray, forgive us as we forgive, we are acknowledging that God asks us to forgive other people. It's not just about us receiving grace. It's also about extending it to other people. Breathe in, breathe out. So Jesus is pressing us towards a heart change. He's pressing us towards the work of the Holy Spirit. When we profess our faith in Jesus and we say that, yes, I, I believe in you as my Lord and Savior. I, I know that, that you were crucified on the cross and I know that that was to pay the penalty for my sins and I know that you were dead and buried and I believe that you were raised from the dead. Lord, save me. When we make that profession of faith and we ask God and we, we come to him in repentance and, and we apologize and he forgives us, Jesus is pressing us that that's got to change your heart. Because if your heart doesn't change, then we're going to be caught in this cycle of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is powerful medicine. It's actually, it's actually been studied scientifically. I think the only... I was reading this article, and the only species of um, living creature that hasn't shown any signs of forgiveness is the cat. Um, <laughs> most other species, when, when, a, when one wrongs another, oh, after a period of time, there's some sort of affection and, and reconciliation, except in cats. <clears throat> but true forgiveness, it sets us free in so many ways, doesn't it? The, the word means releasing or, or letting go. Let, letting go of the things that we've been holding on to tightly. When, when we can look each other in the eye and apologize and ask for forgiveness and we grant one another for forgiveness, that's when relationship is restored, right? And you can then move forward in, in rebuilding or building. Reconciliation happens when, when there's two parties involved in that. If you hold on to forgiveness and you just extend people, uh, if, you, if you put them on probation and don't give them a full pardon, then, 
what's going to happen is you're going to become like a stagnant pond, sort of smelly and slimy. It's only by the grace of God that we are able to release the sins of others, just as God let our sins go. And he does that purifying work. And then instead of a stagnant pond, we're a fresh spring. And when forgiveness is extended and received, it, it opens that door to reconciliation. Forgiving someone, though, may not lead to reconciliation. It may not. Um, because it takes two willing parties. You, you may forgive someone else and it might not change their behavior. But the point of forgiveness isn't to change somebody else's behavior. The point of forgiveness is to free your soul from captivity of being prisoner to the bitterness and resentment that you're carrying because of what they did to you. And you also need to remember that reconciliation can't happen if we ourselves don't face the wrongs that we've done to others. It can't happen if we won't turn and repent and seek forgiveness. It'll never happen. Reconciliation, you got to know, takes time. We, we all know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's not an instant process. It's a work. It is instant with God when you come to him because <laughs> his forgiveness is already there. His grace has already been poured out upon you. And when you step into that, your relationship with God is instantly reconciled. But with us, <laughs> we're slower studies, aren't we? And that's okay. Stick with it. You may be sitting here right now with broken relationships in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's with God. Maybe you need to repent of your sin before him. Maybe this morning you need to take that step and go before God so that you can experience reconciliation with him. That his forgiveness can pour out into your life. Maybe you, this morning, need to take the breath of God's forgiveness. Maybe this morning you're here and, well, you've been holding on to something. You're holding on to something that you just need to let go. To, to release control over because you're fixated on it. And you have a hard time allowing your mind to think about anything else except for what it is that you're holding on to. Hurt, pain, wrong, offense, somebody else's offense, whatever it is. You're just sitting here and your soul is just all clutched up. And you need to let that go. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're the one that isn't owed forgiveness. Maybe you're the one who's wronged somebody. 
And you need to go and repent and apologize and seek forgiveness. Unforgiveness is dangerous. Unforgiveness will eat you up from the inside. So maybe it's you need to receive from God, from someone. Maybe you need to extend forgiveness. But I want, what I want you to, the picture I want you to leave with this morning is the one that we started with. I want you to breathe in the forgiveness of God. And let that do the healing work that it needs to in your own soul. And when that begins to transform your heart, would you consider breathing that forgiveness into other people? I want to close right there, and I, I just want to call us to a, a time of prayer. Um, Barb's going to come up and just play some quiet music in the background. Um,